This is the Joyful Weight Loss Podcast, and I'm your host, Sarah Wells, MD. Listen in each week, and I'll share from science and scriptures that encourage you in how to cultivate healthy habits so you can lose extra weight and gain more health while cultivating joy. Be sure you are following the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Now, let's dive into this week's topic. Hello and welcome back. I hope that y'all have had a great week. Um, So today I'm going to talk about um, the inflammation in our brains that's caused when we eat processed and highly refined foods. And I'm going to talk about specifically what that inflammation does and where and why that impacts the way we start out when we're going into, say, making new changes. Like if, if, if you're kind of um, if, you, if you're kind of approaching it with like the I'll start Monday plan and then um, spend the weekend eating the processed and highly refined foods, what does that do to your brain and your potential for success in your new habits you're trying to form? So we're going to get into that today. This information is for educational and informational purposes only and solely as a self-help tool for your own use. I'm not providing medical, psychological, or nutrition therapy advice. You should not use this information to diagnose or treat any health problems or illnesses without consulting your own medical practitioner. Always seek the advice of your own medical practitioner and or mental health provider about your specific health situation. For my full disclaimer, please go to www.joyfulweightloss.com forward slash disclaimer. So I know I have spoken in previous episodes about ways that highly processed foods can hijack our brain's ability to use logic and common sense and willpower in the way that it decreases the ability of the part of our brain called the prefrontal cortex um, to function at its best. Um, And at the same time, um, this highly processed food and such puts our reward pathways in association with food anticipation and such into overdrive. Um, And I mentioned a few weeks back how it even dampens while it makes us anticipate more and get more excited about whatever food we're planning on. um, It dampens the reward feeling that we get when we're actually eating and after we eat. Um, it's, It's an unfortunate combination of increasing desire and decreasing satisfaction um, when we choose these sorts of foods. So, but there's other processes that are also at play in our brains beside that kind of messed up reward circuitry that happens. Um, And these other things that happen in our brain with processed foods and highly um, refined foods are also unfortunately, other ways that um, make things harder for us in terms of changing our health habits. So what happens is not only is our reward circuitry involved, like I've talked about, what we eat can also cause inflammation specifically in certain areas of the brain. And then those areas of the brain can be inhibited and their ability to work as they should. And then when those particular areas of the brain are inhibited because they're inflamed, they actually can kind of self-perpetuate a cycle of overeating those same inflammatory foods that then 
inflame that part of the brain that cause you to overeat those kind of foods. And then you're in this cycle of kind of stuck inflammation that increases that then causes you to make the bad decisions or influences you to make the bad decisions, which inflames you even more. So it's a very tricky um, cycle. And knowing about what's happening can help give you the information you need to make better decisions. So what are some ways that inflammation happens? What, what's going on with this processed food? Well, we know it's very refined. It has a lot of sugar in it typically, and it has processed damaged fats, um, just not natural foods. And just like if you're eating food that you're that can can kind of inflame your joints, like say you're you're eating something and it causes your joints to hurt. Um, if you've ever experienced kind of aching joints or just kind of feeling yucky in your body after eating something that isn't great for you, that same thing can happen and does happen in the cells of your brain in certain areas. You just don't have the sensation of it in terms of feeling. What you get instead is changes in the way your brain is functioning. And that's concerning, right? Um, it's called neuroinflammation. And the self-perpetuating kind of series of events that happens, just like I described, can lead to a cycle of more inflammation and can even damage brain cells. So uh, some people wonder, well, how long does that even take? I mean, let's say you just go, you know, have a week or two where you're just in enjoying all the things that you maybe know that aren't great for your health, but you're just enjoying these foods. Um, and let's say, let's say you decide you're going to eat drink all the sugary drinks that you want for a week. Well, <laughs> um, and eat cakes and cookies all week long. Um, what could happen? What could happen to your brain just just in just a week? Well, there was one study um, in Australia where researchers showed that as little as five days eating cakes and cookies and drinking sugary drinks caused increased levels of inflammation in the area of the brain known as the hippocampus. Um, and people in other studies, it's been shown that have damaged the hippocampus report being hungry all the time. And that's because the hippocampus is important in part of the hunger signaling um, processes in our bodies. Um, it is receiving fullness signals from the gut. And so if the hippocampus is impaired and inflamed, it's not going to get the correct fullness signals that it needs when you've eaten. And this could create a cycle of you still feeling hungry when you've eaten um, and then eating more of these inflammatory foods and then damaging further these neurons in the hippocampus. And that can kind of perpetuate a cycle of overeating that continues. Um, another function of the hippocampus that is uh, concerning <laughs> if you're inflaming that area is memory. The hippocampus is the memory center of the brain and it's constantly growing and changing and um, reconnecting and making new neuronal connections as we learn and as we um, gain new skills and information and store things in our memories, um, including um, how we navigate life. So this area of the brain, the hippocampus, is where a lot of neuroplasticity can happen. Um, neuroplasticity, remember, is the ability of the brain to rewire as it learns new things. So if you're eating, if, if we're eating, if I'm eating um, a lot of sugar and cakes and cookies and junk food and refined stuff, um, the, 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 the things in them, the combination of all the things in them seems to have a direct impact on the neuroplasticity, specifically in this 
very important area of the brain known as the hippocampus, which does so many things in terms of fullness, in terms of recognizing fullness, in terms of memory. And memory impairment is seen when eating these kind of diets um, in people of all sizes, meaning it doesn't matter. And, and in the studies, it didn't make a difference whether the subject that was being studied, the, per- the people in the study were overweight or obese, or whether they were normal weight. Um, but what they ate is what made the difference in terms of these brain changes that occurred. Um, so, you know, th- there's studies that showed that higher reported sat- uh, saturated fat and refined sugar intakes was specifically associated with decreased hippocampal dependent memory and decreased sensitivity to signals that were being brought into the hippocampus. Um, so that's not good, right? Because we need two things to help us stop overeating. And one of them is we need to remember some things. We need our memory functioning well. We need to remember our motivation for eating well. We need to remember um, how much we ate, what our plans were for the day for eating when we um, were making good decisions. And we need to remember, um, you know, what what we already ate, because sometimes we just eat in a fog and don't think about what we're eating, right? Um, And that's that's why we need our hippocampus working well. Um, and then we also need um, the signaling that happens in terms of hungerfulness. So this area of the brain is really important. And so if the junk food is is causing inflammation and damage in your hippocampus, that is inhibiting your ability to detect fullness and remember what you need to remember to move forward. So that's why even when you are, um, you know, a lot of people will embrace kind of a um, intuitive eating sort of um, mindset around eat whatever you want, just listen to your body and don't overeat it. If you're eating whatever you want and you're eating things that damage that part of your brain, then you're going to have a harder time really understanding when hunger and fullness happen. And you're going to have a hard time remembering why you care about not overeating and things like that. So it does. this is why it doesn't always work for everyone to just eat less cake because maybe that cake it, maybe it's just maybe that's just not enough in terms of allowing your brain to function at its best um so not only that but when people who eat a lot of junk food take memory tests um compared to those who eat in a healthy way again regardless of how much they weigh um it showed that they had problems they performed badly in memory tests if they were someone who ate a lot of junk food um, and yes, I do tell my kids this on a regular basis. I'm like, guys, you want to do well in school? The junk food will impair your ability to process and form good memories and learn well. So we talk a lot about making good choices and eating healthy food and eating plenty of it um, for them as they grow. So what can we do with this information? Um, what? How can this information help us as we navigate making healthy changes? Um, I think the big thing here to recognize is that if you were doing, if you if you're someone who's planning, okay, let's say, let's say maybe you're listening to this, it's September right now as I record this, but let's say you're in December. Let's say you're um somewhere at the end of December and January 1st is coming up and you are surrounded with all of the festive foods, right? Um obviously you want to make decisions that um allow you to really fully enjoy your your holiday season and your time with family and um as you navigate those decisions keeping in mind that the January 1st mentality of just do all the things eat all the things and then when January 1st comes clean slate 
the more of the things you involve that are damaging to your um, hippocampal cells, um, the more of the junk food and the cakes and the sugar and the sweetened stuff that you're taking in, the the harder it's going to be for you when January 1st comes to really have the memory capability you need and the hunger fullness signaling you need to break the cycle. So breaking the cycle um, isn't helped by the Monday morning or the January 1st mentality. The best thing you can do is just to start making better decisions right away. Now that may not mean and does not mean having to be perfect. And it does not have to mean having none of your special holiday foods. It just means being really thoughtful in how you approach the season and how you approach any occasion of life where you're dealing with um, the opportunity to enjoy foods that you don't normally enjoy that you know you probably shouldn't have too much of. So um, keeping that in mind, uh, making decisions to limit those occasions and to limit the volumes that you enjoy on those occasions will help you overall maintain a overall better um, dietary habit set than you would if you just went all out hog wild during a vacation or during the holidays, and then came back and did it all the way um, in terms of diet. It's just it's just a lot harder to do the all or nothing approach. And this is why this is one of the reasons why the all or nothing just doesn't work well. Um, so all that being said, take this information from the studies, think about it. I know for me, it's helpful to know that there's more than just what I feel in my joints or what I feel um, in yuckiness in my body when I eat badly. There's also things happening in my brain. And that kind of helps me take a step back and take more second thoughts about what I decide to indulge in or how often I decide to indulge in foods that are not necessarily best for my health. And I hope that it can be helpful to you also as you move forward and making changes that benefit your health long term. Hope that y'all have a great week. And thanks again for listening. Come back again next week for more. Thank you for joining me today. If you've enjoyed this, I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things. First, please leave a review for me. This is how people find the podcast. Secondly, y'all sharing is caring. You can actually easily share this episode or podcast entirely with a friend. Just text it to them. Lastly, if you're looking for more encouragement and direction from me, go sign up for my free newsletter. It's called The Extra Helping. You can go to www.joyfulweightloss.com. That's joyful spelled with two L's. And then when you're there, click on the extra helping to sign up. That's all for now, y'all. Don't forget to be sure you're subscribed and tune in again next week for more.